The Talking Point with Kathy Motsasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point 11 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. So coming up in this hour, we're focusing on the increasing or yeah, the worrying increase, I must say, in the use of substance and drug abuse, in particular among young people. And some of the things that we're dealing with are not only underage pupils that are that are drinking um, alcohol, but we also have um, young children that are now coming up with different concoctions that include codeine, um, which is the cough mixture, alongside other drug concoctions. Um, and, and they're being mixed with cough syrup and, and, and different substances to create a high. You know, young people getting high off of all of these different substances. Of course, it not only is a concern because of the health impact that it has, but the the impact that it has on these young people, their behavior, uh, how it affects families, and how more broadly it also affects our society. Let me welcome onto the show the Chief Director director, uh, for Social Crime Prevention Program and Anti-Substance Abuse Program, Cesar Mahangwe. Cesar, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Hello, am I audible? Yes, yes, you are. All right. Let me also invite into this conversation Idumeleng Selepe. Idumeleng, good morning. Hey, how are you, Kelly? And Itumel Amwa, thank you. Itumeleng is um, okay. founder of Word on the Streets, and he's been advocating for a substance and drug-free society through that particular movement. And Sean Shelley is a researcher and chairperson of the South African Network of People Who Use Drugs. Sean, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for making time to speak to us this morning. Itumeleng, I want to begin with you because you are part of an organization that works specifically um, with people who are battling substance abuse and you've been advocating around uh, a society that is drug and substance abuse free. What is it that we're seeing that, that you, at least in as far as, as, as the work that you do is concerned, what, what's leading to this increasing level of addiction and substance abuse? Um, from what I'm seeing, uh, as you were saying, it's getting, the age is even getting younger. Like I'm dealing with kids anywhere from eight to nine years. So this stuff is introduced in schools. Um, they use it in order to fit in. I'm going to pause you there because it is important for us um, to hear you clearly. I'm going to ask that we just try and get him back on, on a clearer line. Sean, let me perhaps come to you and, 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 and get you then to speak to the same question around what is really driving um, these addiction rates, substance abuse rates, including the mm-hmm. fact that the you know, the users are becoming younger and younger, as Itumeleng pointed out. Well, the first thing I want to say is that when you've got young children using drugs, it's essentially not a not a drug problem, but a society problem. It's a problem that that uh, we face uh, in South Africa in particular. Um, 
post-94 with borders opening up, they become more porous. Uh, we also see a lot more people chasing the, the um, dream of uh, wealth and uh, prosperity. Um, but unfortunately, we are a very inequitable society, the most inequitable in the world, and lack of opportunity, lack of economic empowerment, lack of um, resources, and lack of, of, of community integration and a growing sense of psychosocial isolation and disconnection are known to be the principal drivers of uh, dependent drug use. So often you'll get people using drugs um, who don't suffer significant harms from it, then they'll usually grow out of that. But for uh, people who are highly marginalized, who don't have much opportunity, or feeling isolated from society as a whole. So that could be any, you know, extremely rich people, perhaps, but uh, more often than not, it's people who are uh, marginalized in communities and already stigmatized. Uh, that makes drug use far more meaningful to them. And it becomes a solution rather than a problem. So I often say we don't have a, a, a drug problem in the country of a drug solution. When it comes to young kids, um, I think that the economic realities are that often parents are just unable to spend time with their children. You know, they they leave home before the sun comes up and arrive home after dark just to try and make a living. Uh, nobody can can do more than what those parents are doing. But I think we've got a failure of society to look after um, young children. We've got uh, no sports activities at schools um, and you know, kids are mimicking what they're hearing and what they're seeing from other people. They're also not um, aware of some of the uh, dangers in some of the drugs they're using. You mentioned the cough mixture one, which is particularly dangerous, actually. It's uh, large amounts of uh, cough mixture, which have codeine in them. And people don't realize that codeine is uh, an opioid just like heroin is um, or morphine. And so those kinds of things uh, people need to be aware of and need to be aware that, that taking large quantities of any drug is going to put them at significant risk. Is it specifically, is it harder to work with, with young children who who are abusing substances than with adults? And what do you find are some of the, the, the differences when dealing with both? Okay, so, so first of all, when you're dealing with children, it's very seldom that you need to actually deal directly with the drug issue. You need to often deal with the circumstantial issues that surround that. So, for example, drug prevention with young children wouldn't be to tell young children about the dangers of niope, perhaps, for instance. It would be more, and I'm talking about children in grades, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Um, I, a better intervention, one that works well, is to build resilience in those children, to build senses of social connection. There are things called the good behavior game, for example, or strengthening families, uh, these types of interventions which focus on building healthy, good relationships, finding other meaning in life, tend to work really well and have long-lasting effects on children. With adults who are already dependent on drugs, um, that takes a slightly different approach, but there are lots of different approaches. The problem is that we've heavily relied on just insisting on abstinence from the start, but a lot of people can't cope with that. For a lot of people, um, you will find that their uh, drug use is very protective. It, it has meaning to it. It uh, ensures that they've got a social circle. That means that they can withstand the cold of living on the street, for example, and the hunger pangs. So to get them to stop or to, you know, just immediately without replacing it with anything else is, is not often uh, achievable. 
I'm not saying it never happens, but often it doesn't. So often we need a stage-wise approach with them and accept that it took a long time for people to learn to drugs, learn to use drugs like like in the way that they are. Uh, and in the same way, it's going to take some time to learn other things that can replace the drugs. And if you're not changing the environment significantly, you, you're often not going to solve the problem at all. Uh, you can, but usually it's very, very difficult. And, and dealing with adults, um, I think also... Uh, you know, the one thing about adults is their their brain has fully developed. So if they started using later, it's often easier to to treat them then. And a lot of people, as soon as they find more meaning in life, get married, that kind of thing will age out of their drug use. For those that don't, you've got to look at the circumstances they're in or mental health issues that they might be having and trying to self-medicate. But with children, their brains are very, very plastic. That means that they change very easily. And so young kids using drugs is never a good idea. Um, there is some advantage, though, in that they can learn new things pretty quickly, uh, but also things become really embedded with them. So they will always be vulnerable uh, through their life if they started using really early in, in a dependent way. All right. Thanks for that perspective, Sean. Itumiling, I understand you're back on the line. Good morning again. Yes, I'm, I'm back. I'm yes, much better line. So you were no telling us about um, some of the young children that, that you've been working with, what you've observed uh, through your organization. Mm. No, no, I'm saying it's getting younger and younger. So uh, one thing I picked up with the younger kids is that they, um, as the gentleman was, was saying, they they mimicking the culture. So Kojin is, is, is part of the Maji, like a huge hip-hop culture. So that, that is something that they do in schools and is really easily accessible also. So, yeah, that's one of the things. When we say that they're mimicking the culture, which, which which culture, Idumiling? It's a hip hop culture, the rap culture. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's it's heavily taken by uh, influential uh, rappers um, like Bo Bullet Wayne, and and especially in South Africa, I can name a couple of them. But mm-hmm. this is something that they they're picking up, and they've made it to look and sound cool. But uh, but where also, where do they see them? Where do they see them? You know. Taking these these mixtures, like is it? Cause in I, the videos, I, on, in the videos, yeah, on YouTube, it's, it's quite. You can just Google it now, and half of this entertainment industry is there mixing with their sprites and their codeines, and it, it's it's out there. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let me bring in Caesar into this conversation. Caesar, from the perspective of the Department of of Social Development. What have you been able to identify and is there particular research that you have conducted looking into this issue of drug and substance abuse? Yeah, first let me thank uh, my colleagues uh, for coming in because they've covered and what they are saying, the areas that they are raising, it's things that we've also confirmed from our side. Yes, in terms of the research, we are funding Medical Research Council they have been doing um, research for us as well as UCT in terms of, you know, uh, looking at what are the trends and what, uh, and also looking at the quality of services that we are currently, um, you know, rendering. And from their research, it definitely has confirmed that um, the age of children that are uh, that have started drugging or experimenting has dropped, and we have more young people that are addicted uh, to substances and as well as many other social issues that causes them. For instance, issues of families are quite critical. Families are, are under stress. 
families are unable to really contain the members of families or provide their, you know, provide that support that is needed. Hence, there are all these social ills that uh, we see that families are contending with. So when you plan intervention programs um, from from the department, what do you aim to target and, and how do those programs run? Okay, um, since we are part of the global uh, community, we've looked at those international standards because remember, we're not the only country that is struggling with issues of substance abuse. There are many other countries' neighbors and and the and the whole uh, you know global community at large, and we are learning from those countries, and we are also you know benchmarking with a number of them in terms of how they've uh, you know crafted their messaging as well as the interventions. One of the things that we have, we are considering uh, when we are planning uh, the interventions is the issue of evidence base. Uh, there is, a, you know, a lot of emphasis to say one of the reasons why some of our interventions are not working as a country and as a collective, not only government, I'm talking about the entire sector, is the fact that some of the programs that we are implementing are not evidence-based. There is no science to it. Uh, you know, people have done it because they believe that it's working, but you cannot really go back to it and confirm indeed if it is working or not. So. There is an emphasis to say the programs that we are inter- we are we, might, we are implementing must be evidence based, and one of them is the issues of children. To say we can't lump them in one group because they are at different ages, and as Sean has, uh, has said about the, uh, the the cognitive development and the brain, so we need to consider those things when we package uh, uh, those messages. So we are informed by research. There's no way we can come up with programs for uh, for substance abuse that are not informed by research because it's just not going to work. Sean, let's talk about this issue of, of culture because I think it's an important issue which Itumeleng has raised, um, that young people are seeing this, uh, you know, in music videos, on social media, and part of why they're being lured into this behavior is as a result of what they see as the predominant or main culture or the cool culture that they need to be part of. Yes, and and I would agree with the statement. I mean, we know several rappers in the US have died, uh, such as Pimp C, for example. Um, there were a couple of others who died from uh, what what they call purple drank or sizapoline. Those are yeah. all the same thing. Um, yeah, and, and, and I'm sure you know the story as sure, well. Sure, it's, it's, it's called what? Uh, it's called Lean. Purple Drank. Okay. Lean and Sizzap. Look, we, we reported this for the first time in 2013 in the Western Cape. Um, and, and we wrote a, a report on it where we were seeing kids literally falling over at school. And they take, um, you know, things like uh, codeine-based so- uh, cough mixture and they mix it with Sprite or uh, some other cool drink. And in fact, um, other guests will probably have a more up to Dumoulin uh, will probably have a more up to date uh, version than I have because I'm, I'm not working in schools at the moment directly, but I, I keep up to date with it. And then they they drink it like that, and they're getting it across the counter. And we would find bottles and bottles of em- well, sorry, empty bottles of cough mixture lying in the fields near the pharmacies and that. 
how 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 does one even begin to to manage i don't want to say police this kind of thing but given the fact that it's also happening in schools and you've got um young children in schools that 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 that, that are using these concoctions what approach do you think you know school authorities should have uh to to this issue uh who must answer so, so sorry sean you, you can start first oh, i'll come to you demilling yeah, in a moment sorry no okay okay yeah sorry i was giving my um co-speakers a chance there but but yes so really what you've got to do is first of all there is a thing called the codeine initiative which um pharmacists are supposed to uh keep an eye on all codeine medications and report on it. Uh, that often doesn't happen. We see um, sort of unregulated uh, sales of codeine uh, to, to young people because young people shouldn't be able to go into a chemist and just buy codeine-based medications at all. Um, and there are, there are sort of restrictions in place on that, but those are obviously becoming um, redundant now as people find other ways of accessing these things. But I think the most important thing is when you start seeing changes in young children's behavior is to monitor that and to really get to understand what's going on in their life and why this is becoming something they want to do they often just aspirational there's there's difficulty with with finding right supervision and that the last thing we should be doing is suspending children from school because as soon as you suspend a child from school they then got nothing to do during the day in most cases parents are at work and they then start interacting with much older children who are using other drugs as well um, the, the reason why this, this drink is so dangerous, in particular in, in the United States, is they had a, have another ingredient in the United States as well, which is a, an upper. And so you've got a, a sort of um, form of um, amphetamine mixed in with the codeine, which is particularly dangerous. But here, I'm not, I don't want to minimize it. Here, it's pretty dangerous as well. You take enough codeine, you're going to stop breathing. Um, and that, that's the problem that we face, especially with kids who are much smaller and uh, have much stronger responses to these types of drugs. But yeah, what you need is programs that concentrate on things like sport, alternatives, uh, finding alternative meanings, strengthening social social circles, and also just making it not cool to to follow these rappers who are literally dying, some of them. Sure, yeah, re really, really concerning. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. And Nitu uh, I'll give you an opportunity to tell us sort of what you have been seeing in terms of the ingredients of the mixing of, 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 of these concoctions. And um, most importantly, I think, what it is that communities need to be able to, to do differently, what we need to be doing differently in this moment so that we're also able to reach those young children um, before it affects the entire course or trajectory of, of their lives. It's 11.30. It's time for the latest news headlines. You're listening to the Talking Point. Of course, I'll also take your calls and text messages and voice notes uh, contributing to this conversation. You can dial in on 08600. Um, no, let me, let me try that again. 086-000-2032-086-000-2032 and on the WhatsApp voice note line 0614-104-107. Anonymous from Heidedal in Bloemfontein says, uh, Good morning, Kathy. In my area, I'm living in a so-called colored community. There's a doctor who sells medication without prescription. Now, these kids are able to access such pills and use it for smoking. And the, the other thing is that you must pay for it cash and not debit 
If you use bank cards, he charges you 10% more. It's bad here. Kids don't go to school and are wandering the streets. So that's just one perspective from a listener. Itumeleng, what are you seeing um, in, in schools when it comes to the use of, of these substances? Uh, what I'm seeing is like, um, this is the all-in competition. I mean, uh, the other day I called these two. They were smoking a hubbly bubbly, but the water is gin. And inside where they put the, the flavor tobacco, was really mixed with crystal. Like, I don't think you can fathom what, what that is doing to their body. So you, you, you finding these things are easily accessible. It's like buying bread now. It's like the, every corner, everywhere, this is where, and it's getting out of hand. I mean, I'm talking about myself. I'm not only an, an activist, but I used to be a user. I'm talking about 16, 16 years of pure everyday usage. And, um, we are here, we are here, but people aren't using us. If I had had somebody tell me when I was in grade eight that this is where I would end up, 90% of the chance, yes, I would have tried something, but I would have just taken a different road. And then the communities also don't know where to go. So I'm in Limpopo right now, and I'm the only person actually who people reach out to when the child starts acting funny, starts stealing money, starts being a bully, the marks are dropping. And already I can see the trends are the same. It's the same trend. What, so we what, 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 what do the children say to you, Itumeleng, about why they're using? So to fit in is one of the things. The peer pressure is also home environment. Um, I've noticed that um, uh, a, parent figure, a certain parent figure is being not around. If they don't have like a father figure, uh, it really deeply affects them. Um, and uh, just different communities that we live in. The poorer communities actually are the ones that consume more. But yeah, that's what, that's what most of the kids tell me. And, and where do they say they're getting the money from? I, I, I understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, as, they, as an addiction develops, you'll notice change of behavior uh, that might even result in stealing of money or different things from the home to go and sell it. But initially, where are they getting the money to, 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 to do it from? Yeah, stealing, um, shoplifting. Uh, uh, addiction is such, a, such an, a phenomenally weird thing. You do everything. If you're a girl, you're selling your body, if you're born, you're stealing at shop rights, you, you pickpocketing people. There's, there's so many ways to do it. You're selling scrap metal. It's, it's about getting the drug at mm, mm. Yeah. Caesar, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how it's very difficult to, to solve a problem like this without involving families. And Idumeleng is saying that a lot of these young users are actually turning to drugs because of their family situations, because of their family structures? Yeah, yes. Um, if I may come in, 
when yeah, I was looking at you know um, the, the 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 target groups, the unusual target groups that we need to start working with them in order for us to make inroads and and difference. One is the parents to say that there is no way we can win this uh, battle without really getting parents involved because it's very important that parents are are capacitated on this matter so that whatever the messaging that kids are exposed to, for instance, maybe at school they're talking about drugs, they also get it from their parents and parents won't be able to do that if they're not capacitated. So there must be a special focus on parents and if it means we we adapt our programs to a at the time that suits parents, we need to do it because parents are working, they're not available during working hours. So it means we have to work, um, you know, differently in order for us to access parents. The other group that, the other group that is important is the very same teachers because kids spend a lot of time in schools. It's important that, you know, the issue of uh, drugs is not a by the way issue, but it's quite critical. It becomes core of what they are taught because if they are addicted there's no way at the end of the day that they can have good marks so those are the some of the the, the key departments that we are working on as well as a pro a departments like you know um arts and culture and sports uh, they used to have programs that, that are called sport, uh, sports against drugs. So we need to uh, bring back those programs that used to work and make sure that, you know, kids, they are involved in schools beyond uh, uh, the school. Lastly is the, the issue of co- at the community level. We've got a faith-based organ, a faith churches. A lot of, uh, you know, people, they go to churches, whether they are they are addicted or not. It's the, South Africa is, is highly religious, so it's very important that we work with the, 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 the religious sector so that they do not stigmatize people that are addicted but rather they must embrace and be able to facilitate you know a rehabilitation and so on as well as the traditional leader so all the critical uh, stakeholders that were left before behind they need to be brought uh, on board so that they are, they are able to buy in and we all send the uh, sell the same messages all right. I want to take these voice notes that have come through from uh, our listeners, and, and a lot of them are really around, um, you know, having children that are struggling with drug and substance abuse. Hello, Sister I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I need the help. I need the help yeah, on my son. He's on, on these drugs, and I, I need help. I need help. I'm trying. Also, him is trying, but after some days, he go back. I'm trying. I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. Please, if there's an organization who can help my son, I don't know. I've tried to go to what they call social workers that maybe they can take they can take him to rehab, but they are telling me that him he must stay. He must, you see, he must allow it to happen. If he, if he don't allow it, it can't happen. We cannot force him to rehab. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Please, if there's an organization or anybody who can help me, please help me. Please, Kathy. Hi, um, Kathy, I'm wanting to comment regarding drugs and amongst, especially amongst young people. Um, so my daughter was born in 1994, but the year she turned 10, I had to reevaluate what is important to me because I worked with a, 
a colleague and we traveled a lot um, for, work, for work purposes, so we weren't home much, workshops, conferences, etc. Whose son stole her car while she was at a conference and she later confessed that he's on drugs. So I made the decision that I changed my job to be present at home. My sister is now struggling with a 16-year-old son, and I said to her, she can be thankful that she was saved by COVID by three years because she was home, she was present. But currently, she needs to be more active, even if she just takes him out on a Saturday and just make the day about him or something. But that is the route to go. And it's hard and it's difficult as a working parent, especially if you're single. Yeah, and, and, and it's come up quite a lot in, in this conversation, the presence of, of parents and families. Itumeleng, what, what advice would you have to, to both of these parents, um, especially given that they're both dealing with this issue, coming through from multiple sides of the family? So, uh, the, I would love to give them my number. Um, there's certain things, that language amongst addicts and recovering addicts, that we, we actually open up to each other easier. So you might find uh, the dad is he's having a problem with the son, but what keeps making him go back? So um, it, it, that's what I was talking about. Like, users, I am here. I'm willing to leave, leave my number, uh, and people can call, and I can assist. But, yeah, that's that's a, one of the advice I can give them. All right. Um, Itumiling, you can go ahead and share your number or a, a contact oh, yes, detail for, for where listeners can get in touch with you. Okay, so it's 067-6630-705. So it's 067-6630-705. All right. Thanks for that, uh, Itumiling. Sean? Yes. So... It's really difficult when your child is is using drugs. You you can become very fearful. You think of all these self fulfilling prophecies about um, you know what's going to happen to them and that. Uh, my advice to parents, and this again, it's age dependent. Um, if you if you're talking about really young kids, um, you really have to look at the environment that they're in and and what uh, sort of levels of supervision are. But if you're talking about older kids. Often they you know, uh, teenagers are naturally by the stage of development, they're rebellious. They are going to experiment. My number one advice to parents is make sure that you spend some time each week just listening to them, not telling them what to do, but listening to them, making them feel that no matter what they bring to you, they will still be loved. They will still be cared for, uh, which is difficult when you, when you, when you're fearful, you know, you, you just want to save your kid, but by exploding getting angry you're going to trace them away further you're going to make them feel unheard so listen to them uh listening is much more important than telling um that's the one thing the other thing is that that you know if they are using speak to them about that and ask them what it is the i think a very important thing is and and uh, the organization that i founded sanford they spend a lot of time working with active drug users and the problem is that people think that that when they're an active drug user, they can't change their behaviors, that they're entitled in some way because of the drugs to do things that are not right. So my message always is just because you are using drugs does not mean that you are entitled to steal from your family, right. steal from friends and that. Uh, and that's a very important message because 
people kind of think, oh, well, everybody's labeling me a drug addict, therefore I must, uh, it's okay to steal. They expect me to steal. It's not okay to steal, you know? Um, so, so behavior change can start before drug use stops. And often when behavior change starts, then people start responding differently to them. The environment changes and they All find right. that they reduce their drug use. We're going to have to leave it there for this morning. Sean Shelley, Itumeleng Selepe and Caesar Marangwe, thank you all for your contributions to this conversation. This is where I leave it for this morning. Up next is the book.